It is great to see you. I bring you greetings from Panama. That's where I came from. I flew, uh, flew back late, late Friday night, really early Saturday morning. I was at what was called what we call the International Leaders Conference. And that's why we didn't know who was speaking this morning. It's so funny because Edgar texted me, I think it was either this last night or something. He goes, uh, did you go to Panama? Because I was scheduled to speak. And I said, oh, yes, I went, to, I, I went to Panama. He didn't know I was already back. And so then he thought, oh, I guess he's speaking. So he prepared. And I thought I was going to be here because I'm prepared. And here we are. We could both preach right now. But I don't know if that would encourage you. Uh, so Edgar says, no, you go on up. That'll be great. So here I am. And let me tell you some news from Panama. How about that? We'll just talk about two things today. And then you'll hear more and more over time. I, I went there on, uh, I was supposed to go there on Monday. I was supposed to be there on Monday. Now, it's the International Leadership Conference. It happens two, uh, every two years, okay? And um, the first two days, Monday through Tuesday, is what they call a delegates meeting where people discuss uh, things worldwide and all sorts of stuff because, you know, we're part of a fellowship of churches that, you know, spans the globe. Right, and almost every city uh, with a certain population has a church like ours or similar. And um, so I was supposed to go just as an observer. I, I was a delegate in the past. This time I'm just an observer. And Reese Kia Ina and I were going to go on Monday, but my mom had an accident. And so I had to stay here to make sure she got taken care of. And then she was telling me, You go to Panama. So I said, Okay. Uh, she felt like she didn't want to be my reason that I stayed back, so then I got there on Wednesday for the actual conference portion, all right? So there's two things that I need you to remember. One is a date, and the other is a feeling. Can you do that for me? Okay, so let me talk to you about the date, 2020, July 2nd through, I believe, maybe 6th. You guys got that? Write that down. 2020, July 2nd through 6th. That is the Worldwide Discipleship Summit. And so you go, well, that, that's almost two years away, Dave. You need to start saving now because the next thing you need to remember about that date, it's in Orlando, Florida. And you don't want to miss this. There's only going to be one 2020. That's kind of a cool, you know, landmark date, 2020. Just sounds right, okay? 20 years in the new millennium. And uh, what it is, is um, it's a worldwide discipleship conference. They'll have a, a bunch of different international conferences going on at the same time. And then there are times when we'll all meet together. There are times when we'll meet by singles, youth and family, um, Spanish, uh, all sorts of different types of conferences going on at the same time. Okay, but we want everyone to start thinking about it. You can even, if you go on Facebook, how many of you have Facebook? All right, go on Facebook, look up Worldwide Discipleship Summit. Uh, you can look up the word Orlando, and there's a Facebook page. They already have 20,000 subscribers, okay? They now have 20,001 because I, I subscribed this morning, and I'm hardly ever on Facebook. If you friended me, I have not friended you back because I'm rarely on Facebook, but I decided just to show my support. It's going to be an amazing time, but we need to save now, all right? you got to plan now to make it there, and you know what you're going to have to do. Conference is about three, four days. 
you know, you want to either come early or stay late. So you could go to Disney World or Universal or all sorts of things. They even have like a, a, a Bible land or something there where you can, where Jesus gets crucified every day. I know that sounds kind of wrong. Well, that's what happens. So, you know, you can go, though, and, and, and go to that, you know. They, they, they even showed it on the slides so of this picture of a guy, like, dressed as Jesus, you know, the, the guy who was promoting the conference. And it said, not the real Jesus underneath him. But anyways, so that's awesome. You guys got that date? Okay. Yep. Got, get that date. Now, I want you to remember a feeling. Now, I wasn't there for the discussion portion, the delicate portion, because I came later. But Reese Kia Aina was there, and he was watching, and, and we had a great time. We were roommates through the whole thing. And um, what he really was impressed by, when he, and, and it's all throughout the spirit of the conference, was humility. And there are people with very, very strong, differing opinions, but willing to kind of humble out and work together. And so that was really awesome to see as well. And we know that just to be a church, just to be a great family, it's going to take what? Humility. And as we are working through this uh, phase in, in the ministry here about let's just get, and I'm going to call them D groups. Let's get our D groups really solid. And what are D groups if you're visiting with us? Or what are D groups if you haven't been a part of one? They're discipleship groups. There's groups where we really call each other higher spiritually. And as we decide, hey, we're going to get down to business together. Let me tell you, sometimes it's easier to be humble in a large group than it is face-to-face. -face. Have you ever felt that? You know, when you, when you get into these intimate relationships, all of a sudden, things start happening. When you start going, let's get deeper. He's also are saying, let's get uncomfortable. It happens when you have roommates. Do you ever have roommates for the very first time? I remembered, you know, we went to, uh, I went to college. I go up to college there. I have a roommate, a stranger in my room. All right, and guess what? They placed three of us together. One, I was like Mr. Middle Class, Asian guy. The other person was really rich white dude. And there was another one from more of a poor background. He's African-American. And we're all together in a room. The three of us. The white guy was so rich, Super Bowl was on campus that year, and his dad bought him tickets to the Super Bowl. Now, no one really liked him, so he had two tickets, and he asked us if anyone wanted to go. None of us wanted to go with him. It was kind of sad. My uh, African-American roommate, I learned so much. He came home one day, and he was so excited. I said, why are you so excited? He goes, man, I found someone who could cut black hair. I said, what's the big deal? He goes, wow, because I've been looking around to find someone who cut black hair. I go, well, I don't understand. Why is that so hard? He goes, because black hair is different. I go, I don't get it. He goes, why don't you get it? I go, well, my hair's black, and I get it cut all the time. <laughs> you learn things when you have roommates. You get how that works? What's that? Did he smack me? No, it was 1985. 
84. It was just what you live with. So anyways, let's go to uh, Mark chapter 2. Because today we just want to kind of pull in and go, let's understand how to get close. Let's learn how to have humility. Let's be great D-groups. Does that sound good? You go, well, some of us, we meet in these bigger groups. I go, guess what? You got to learn how to still work in D-groups. And we have things called house churches. You can call them family groups. You can call them faith groups. Those are some of the terms. But what we got to do is break down into D-groups, smaller groups. And let's take a look in Mark chapter 2. Because we're talking about partnering with purpose, the power of really partnering. In Mark chapter 2, verse 1, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. He had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there, were no, there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Jesus attracted a crowd. You understand the excitement surrounding Jesus. Sometimes it, I don't connect with that. Sometimes when I was growing up, Christianity was like the boring thing. And no, there's an excitement, a buzz around Jesus. You think about a concert. You think about Comic-Con. You think about mobs of people trying to see this amazing individual, and they're crowding in the home. Everyone was just pushing, shoving, because they wanted to hear Jesus. And it says here, some men, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by dragging, by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone immediately? Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is what it was like to be with Jesus. I want you to understand that when, when you understand who Jesus is, you're crowding to just hear him. When you really experience Jesus, you should be in this mode. I've never seen anything like this. Christianity is too common in America these days. We've made it too common. We want it to be common. We want it to be predictable. We say sometimes, I just don't want to stick out. I want to be relatable. I want people to walk in and feel like it's easy. But I want you to understand, it was hard to get to Jesus in this moment. You know, you could hear Jesus today, but not really reach him. You could be part of a crowd, pressing, trying, listening, knowing that he is amazing, and not be the one that comes away healed. Not be the one with your sins forgiven. Not be the one with the faith that Jesus sees. 
Isn't that mind-blowing? Well, how did this paralyzed man get to be that person? Because there were partners helping him out. That's an, that's, you got to understand this. He wasn't alone. He had a team. And what we see here, four people gathered for a purpose. Four people said, hey, let's carry this man up to the top. I didn't say let's carry our friend. We don't know if these four men were his friends. I've heard it preached that it was, wouldn't, wouldn't you like friends like that? Wouldn't you like friends who will just carry you up? We don't know if they were his friends. We just know that some men came and a few conquered. It didn't say all the men who brought that paralyzed man to the door were actually there climbing up. It says some men came, four of them took him up. Isn't that interesting? What's the beginning of the story? A man paralyzed. Why was he paralyzed? Jesus made it clear. There are some times when your sin paralyzes you. In this situation, somehow, some way, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, and that healed the man. Isn't that crazy? Who knows how his sin paralyzed him? We don't know, but he was there paralyzed. Who knows how this happened? He was sitting there on the side of the road begging. Maybe his sin was so clear it paralyzed him, people avoided him. But he's calling out, hey, I heard this man. There's a man named Jesus. He's over there. Can you help me get there? And one person probably stopped and said, hey, let me help him out. But maybe he said, I don't know how to carry this guy. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know what to do. He started carrying him on his back. Maybe he started holding him. He said, this is too much. So the two of them said, hey, can you help us? And it was more people. And more and more until it went from one person helping, two, three, four, to some people helping. And then this crowd, a, gr a group of men, came carrying that paralyzed man to the crowd, not to the door. They carried him to the end of the mob. They didn't carry him up to the door because they couldn't get there. And so there was that group of some. Sometimes a blob does not get the job done. You know, it feels good. It's easier to lift that man if there's 10 of you. It was easier to lift that man if there were six of you. But then that some looked at that crowd, and only four were left. Four were left. Maybe some said, you know what? I can't even hear Jesus anymore. You were, you were convenient. We were going there anyways. We were carrying you. It was... You know, the first guy maybe was the diehard. He goes, I was going to carry you on my back, but you got too heavy. The second guy, he might have been more committed. Maybe the first four were the ones that were left. Maybe it was the first guy who said, I've done enough. I'm tired. We don't know who those four were. But there are four guys left of the sum and said, we're going to carry you up. They lifted him up, but they realized we still can't see Jesus. We still can't get to them. So what does it say? They started digging down. And they dropped that man down. And Jesus, it doesn't say when he saw the paralytic's faith. He says when he saw their faith. Now, there are a lot of things we're going to talk about today. But I want you to understand how Jesus looks at us. There's a lot of religion that just says Jesus looks at you individually, cares about you individually, and we focus so much on ourselves individually. You know, sometimes Jesus looks at us. 
He doesn't just look at you. He says, I work through you, plural. It's interesting because in Greek, we don't, we don't, in English, we don't see the Greek. There are often times when it says you, it's not talking about you individual. It's like in Spanish. There's usted and there's ustedes. In English, we say you, and it can mean a million things. But he says when he saw their faith, partnership matters. Do you understand that? How you do as a partnership. How you do as a small group of just four people or three people matters. That God will look and say, how's your team doing? How's the coach doing? How are the players doing? What are you doing? Where's your faith? When Jesus saw their faith, he says, your sins are forgiven. Do we have any lonely Christians today? Do we have people feel like, man, I'm going it alone? Do we have people thinking God wants me to go it alone? If you're visiting with us or you've been around for a while and you felt alone, that is not God's will for you. Did you know that? That's not God's will for you. And you've got to figure out, wow, how do I partner? How can I be this group of four that experiences this miracle that Jesus gave to this one man? Now, why was Jesus so impressed by their faith? He goes, wow, look at them. Remember, there are crowds of people. And I will tell you, those crowds were filled with righteous people. The crowds were filled with sinners, but the crowd was filled with righteous people. That group was all sorts. And I bet you there were some really cool people in that group. And I bet you Jesus looked at that group, and as he spoke, he loved every single one of them. I bet you he looked in each person's eyes, and he could feel the story in them. In his spirit, he knew. Now, there were many people there that he could have helped. But why that man? I think sometimes Jesus looks, when he's looking for faith, he looks for a certain type of faith. Do you know that? It's a faith that reflects his heart. Turn to Genesis chapter 2. What do we learn from this passage? The first thing we see, these four men, they partnered for a purpose. They were there. They, they lifted that man up. They all climbed up on a roof. They all started digging through that roof, and they lowered him down. How many of you think that would be easy? How many of you who are my age <laughs> think that would be easy, right? You know, the... The younger you are, just the easier it is to do things, right? And it's funny, I'm sitting back there, and Dane says, you've lost a lot of weight since last year. And I said, yeah, it's true. I was flying to Panama, and you know, they say your feet swell when you fly. Have you ever heard that? Right, so I wore these tennis shoes, because you know, you, you get all strategic when you're flying, right? You figure out, what can I wear that I don't pack? So I can make that suitcase lighter. So, you know, if you know me, these shoes that I'm wearing, I wear one day a week. The rest of the week, I wear flip-flops. I wear slippers. Right? So I pack these tennis shoes that I don't use that often. And, and then I take them off. I slip them off because my feet are beginning to swell. And then we're beginning to land. And guess what I'm able to do? Put the shoes back on. You go, what? I'm able to put the shoes back on. You know why usually? Because when I was heavier, it's hard to bend down. 
It's hard to reach. You have to suck in the air <gasps> and stretch. You have to do all these sorts of things just to get to your shoes, right? And so I want you to understand, they're climbing a building. They're going to the roof. It doesn't say these were young boys. These were men. It doesn't say this person is paralyzed. You know, when you're paralyzed, it's harder to move you. I had a friend who was paralyzed half his body at a very young age. And he was a bit grumpy at times. And I asked, why, why are you grumpy? Because you know what? I'm in pain all the time. I'm going, well, what's the pain? It's because you've got to understand this. If I take your weight in your mind, divide it in half. Okay, you got that? Now decide to put it in a bag and carry it with only half your body all day long. Because he wasn't in a wheelchair, he was walking. And, he, and that's what it's like. So this is, th these are people climbing up to the roof, lifting him up, and then digging deep and dropping him down to Jesus. That's a lot of work. You guys get that? Go to Genesis chapter 2. I'm sorry, I say Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And why did they do all that work? It's because they cared about that man. In Genesis chapter 26, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You go, why are you showing me this passage? When you read Genesis and the account of creation, God created the earth, God let there be light, you know, all this, God, God, God. But when it came to us, God says, we got to work on this. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're going to create these creations. We're going to love with all our heart. And it's going to take all of us. They're going to look like us. Even love requires us working together. The Bible says God is love. And for him to create us, he decided, he decided Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all of us are going to show in human beings. Isn't that crazy? We reflect the Trinity. We, in our relationships, he says, I create man and woman. So marriage, from the beginning, creates that separation becoming one. Then God says, there's my church. And the body of Christ is that separate becoming one. And I want you to understand, when you love, you bond. They weren't bonded over their love for each other. They were bonded over the love for that paralytic man, that person who would not do much for them, that person that was hard to carry, that person who was in, a, in, in sin. The guy was in sin. What got him to move again was the forgiveness of his sins. And those four people, they started out as a mob, and then it broke down to four people, and those four people, just like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, from love, we're going to create from love, we're going to help. And love brought those four people together. Do you see that? And Jesus saw them working together, and he says, that's me. He saw them working together. He goes, that's my heart. 
He saw them working together, and he says, Father, I, I bet you he prayed. That shows how you, the Spirit, and I work together on behalf of our love for the people of this earth. And so that's how faith works. Jesus is looking for the faith that looks like him. And it doesn't happen just alone. It happens when we work together. Let's go back to Mark chapter 2. As we come together in these smaller groups, and yes, you can be the group of some, but every group of some has to break down into a group of a few. A few people who say, man, together we are going to help someone. Together we're going to bond and work on helping somebody else. We are going to be like Jesus. Look at the love of God. God's love wants to lift us up. And that's what those men had to do. They had to lift him up. They probably had to go to the roof themselves and then pull him up. They didn't just kind of like this, right? They had to make sure it was safe. So they climbed on the roof themselves and they pulled him up. You know, that's God's love. Jesus says, wow, they love like I do. Because God wants to lift us up. But you know what else God's willing to do? Dig and go down. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, as they examined us and our fallen creation, said, man, we're going to have to dig. We're going to have to come down. We're going to have to dig through that roof. You know how hard it was to dig through a roof? Have you ever done demo? If you ever watch HDTV, have you watched HDTV, right? There's a show called Fixer Upper. How many of you know Fixer Upper? Chip and Joanna Gaines. Don't you just love them? And then Chip Gaines is all, it's demo day. And he's so excited because he's going to get dirty. And I watch that. I go, that's a faker. Because <laughs> I would never want to do that, right? But digging and tearing and dust and dirt and mud. And they are doing demo day on that roof. And, and it's not easy to get dirty to go down. And Jesus says, I'm getting dirty, and I'm going down. And he saw those guys. He goes, wow, look at the mess they're willing to create to help one person out. This is the heart of Jesus. And this is what God wants us to have, too. So as you're thinking about your D group, don't think about the mob. Think about who's my three or four. Think about that. Who, who's my three or four? That we're going to dig, we're going to lift up, we're going to dig deep. And that's what I think we need to do. Let me just kind of tell you, this is what we need to do. The faith that Jesus looks for is that faith that's willing to have his heart. The faith God's looking for is the faith of the Trinity. That you're going to be, you're going to say, I'm not going to live this life alone. I'm going to be unified with just a small group to help someone else who's paralyzed by sin. God's looking for that. And so let me just tell you, here's some practicals we can do looking at this passage. Number one, rally around the need. When you come together in your small groups, and it might be a bigger group of eight couples or whatever, 16 people, you're going to have to say, how do we break this down into three or four? Is that clear? And you've got to say, what need do we want to meet together? It's been incredible at, at, at my house in the morning. 
Every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, we have these single men come over, and they're the mature single men. None of them are in their 30s. They're in their 40s and their 50s. And they come to my house, and there's seven of them. And I decided, okay, we're going to take this mob, and we're going to turn it into partnerships. Because they didn't know each other that well. And I said, okay, what you're going to do is each of you are going to partner up and decide one thing you want to do for this church. And that was their assignment. Does that make sense? And that's what I want you to do. You come together and say, okay, let's, let's partner up here. Let's break it down to groups of three and four. What are we going to do? How are we going to serve? Because that's what bonded that group. What else? Get them to Jesus. Figure out how to take that group and take someone to Jesus. You well, how do I do it? Figure out how that group's going to lift someone up. Figure out how that, what, how that group needs to get dirty and dig down. You see, when you're in a small group, we want to lift each other up. How many of you like to be lifted up? I do. It's always encouraging. How many of you like to get dirty? That's harder. And so as a group, you're going to say, okay, here's our group. We need to get someone to Jesus. But let's practice. Let's practice climbing. Let's practice digging. What does climbing look like? Encourage, build up, lift, inspire. There's so many scriptures that we can share with one another. It's great to hear Mike's story. He's like, I had a bad week. But, you know, you don't go away going wah, 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 right? You feel closer. You know, sometimes, you know, we can talk about how hard we're having it, and it could still inspire you and encourage you. Because we have to be together, lift up. When, when Lexus and Vicor came up to do the welcome, you know, it was funny. Lexus was talking about, hey, this is, this is awesome. This is the meal. It's family time. Vicor's like going, wow. <laughs> but it's cool when we lift each other up and inspire each other, correct? But the other thing we got to do, dig. Scratch, claw, dig. Make the phone calls. Ask the questions. Ring the bell. This person's in trouble. This person having a hard time. Dig. When you're here at church, it saves you a lot of time to dig now. Then think about it. Call later. Dig now. Lift up. Dig deep. And what do you see? What do you end up with? One. You end up with a faith God notices. It says here, when Jesus saw their faithfulness. That's what faith is. Real faith is something Jesus can see. You know, it's funny. Look at what Jesus did. He knew in his spirit what the Pharisees were thinking. But he had to see that group of people's faith. So, yes. Could Jesus feel the inner faith of the many people that were listening to him? Yes, he could feel their faith. He could also feel their skepticism. But none of them got healed. It was the skeptical people and the people who were agreeing with Jesus. None of them got healed that day. It was the group of people that had faith you could see that came away with the miracle. So what's awesome about this? You do this, God could say, wow, I could see your faith. And you have a faith that Jesus notices. Do you want to be noticed by Jesus today? You want to walk out this room and Jesus go, wow, let me do something for you. It'll show how you pull together. What else do we see? You get to watch the healing. 
You get to watch the healing. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great to be just one of those? For sure, it'd be, the, it'd be nice to be the guy who got healed from paralyzing sin, but I kind of don't want to be the guy with paralyzing sin to begin with, right? But what, how awesome would it be to be the four? To be the person that was with the sum, but decided, no, you know what? We got this far. Let's figure out a way to get through the crowd. To be the person who's saying, you know what? Let's come up with a plan. And they sat there and they said, okay, this is what we can do. You see that roof there? You know, mission impossible. But, you know, I don't see people in the back. Let's go around the back. Let's climb up. You know, do, 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 do. You know, and they're thinking it through. Okay, ready? Okay, you're, you're the lightest one. You're the first one. Okay, you know, or, or whatever. No, we got, let's start with the heaviest one. They said that. Why? Because then the four, three of us can push you up. And then you're the strongest one, so you can pull us up. And they go, you know, and they go, yeah, that's going to be great. So the four of them up there, and they see that man. They go, oh, my goodness, we forgot. He's on the mat. We don't have it. One guy runs down, goes over, gets rope. Hey, do you have rope? Can we use it? Sure. They do that. They pull the guy up. You know, they just bonded over the mistakes, over the ideas that maybe didn't work. And then they're up on that roof, and they just start digging, and they're coughing, and they're arguing, and they're sweating, and then finally come down, and that man... They get to, they jump down through the roof with them, and they're with that man, and Jesus saw their faith, and he gets up and walks out on his own. And they're high-fiving, fist-bumping together behind that man with the mat, because that man with the mat, as he was walking out, you know the crowd parted. That crowd that was so hard to get through just kind of floated on out. Isn't that cool to be part of the healing? Let's just be those people. But find your group. Find the need you can meet. Lift up, dig down. Jesus will notice you, and you will see the miracle. Have a great time in fellowship. You are dismissed.